John chapter 1. John chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to start reading in verse number 43. If you made it to John chapter 1, can you say, I made it? I made it. I made it too. All right, we're here. John chapter 1, and I love the book of John. I'll give you a little backstory of it. It was written by a man named John, right? John was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus. He was an apostle. He was the brother of James. He was the son of Zebedee. And John had quirks just like all of us. And one of John's funny things about him was he loved to refer to himself as John, the one Jesus loved, right? Just a quick little flex from John to all the other disciples. He was like, yeah, Peter, James, you guys are cool, but I'm the one Jesus loved, right? Me and Jesus were actually really tight. We were really close, okay? Uh, So that's a a funny uh, fact about John. Um, But the main overarching theme of the book of John, which is going to help us as we study this morning, is that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the only way for salvation. That's what John wants us to understand as we read his book. Uh, And so that's going to help us as we study John chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse number 43. The Bible says this. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, come and see, come see for yourself. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This morning, I want to bring a message that I'm calling, Take a Walk. Turn to the person next to you and say, Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk take a walk. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to look to your word. God, to lift up your name in worship as we just did. And God, I pray that you'd be pleased by our time of study, by our time looking to your word this morning. I pray that we would be challenged by you. I pray that you would speak to us and that we would leave different, better for being here today. God, fill me, speak through me, and bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you don't know, uh, my wife, Julie, and I, we have a son named Mav, and he just turned one years old, Maverick Ray Foster, and he is a good little boy. Man, he is my pride and joy. I'm so thankful to be his dad, and it is a blast to watch him grow up, and it's so fun right now, the stage that he's in, because he's learning, and he's developing, and he's doing all these different things, right? He's pulling himself up on everything, standing, climbing things he's not supposed to be climbing, you know, the cupboards in the kitchen, all the 
handles are like rock climbing wall, you know, things. He's grabbing them, pulling himself up. He's yelling. He's learning every single day. And it's so much fun. And we're working with him right now, trying to get him to take his first steps, right? Trying to teach him how to walk. And he hasn't quite got it, but I, I brought a video so we could see his progress, see where he is right now. All right, a little shaky, a little shaky, right? He doesn't have, he's not running marathons yet. He's not in the Olympics, okay? But we're getting there, right? Progress. And it's, it's funny and it's unique because Mav, he's, he's only one years old, right? He knows what walking is. He sees Julie and I do it every single day. So he's familiar with the concept, but he's never put it into practice himself, right? He understands walking is something that you do. Walking is the next step for me, but he hasn't begun to do it yet. And I can't help but think in parallel to the Christian faith, right? Many of us, maybe you've just recently accepted Christ, or maybe you've grown up in church and you accepted Christ decades ago, and you're not new to the faith. Uh, But the Christian faith, the Christian life is something to be walked out, right? We see it in Matthew chapter 28, right? We know of this passage as the Great Commission, right? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, everybody say go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's the Great Commission. That's our responsibility as followers of Jesus. But something that we have to understand this morning is that knowing and going are two very different things, right? And it's up to us as believers, as Christians, followers of Jesus, to take that step of faith and to actually take a walk and to walk out our faith, right? And I believe that no matter where we are in our spiritual walk, in our relationship with God, whether we're practicing this, whether we've gotten away from it, whether we just accepted Christ and we've never done this before, we've never shared our faith, we've never invited somebody to church, I believe we can gain some valuable insight from John chapter 1 this morning and see three reminders that are going to help us walk out our faith today. The first one is this, number one, good news is meant to be shared. Good news is meant to be shared, right? If you don't know, the word gospel literally means good news, the best news. It's good news. We're sinners, right? We're separated from God because of our sin. We're imperfect. We're bound for a place called hell. But the gospel is the good news that we have hope. We can have a savior. We can have a relationship with God. That is the good news of Jesus. It's changed our life. And it's meant not just to come to us and stay with us. It's meant to flow through us. It's meant to be shared. We all know, it's universally known, that when you have good news, it's difficult to keep to yourself. It's meant to be shared. It's not meant to be held on to, right? I remember when my wife, Julie, was pregnant with Mav. I couldn't wait to tell people, right? But you know how it is. You want to make an announcement. You want to tell your family first. You want to tell the people closest to you first. So I couldn't just tell people, but I found myself, like, having conversations with people, like, at the grocery store. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going, man? Really good. She found out my wife's pregnant. You know, it's awesome. Uh, expecting, I'm, the guy's cutting my hair at the barbershop, and I'm telling him. He doesn't know me, right? He doesn't know anybody in my life, so I can tell him. I couldn't wait to share that good news, right? I was excited. 
Is anybody in here, uh, your love language, receiving gifts like me? Anybody? Anybody relate to that? Okay. I love to receive gifts, and I'm not ashamed of it. All right? All right? I love getting gifts, but I also, I love giving gifts, right? But here's the problem. When I get a gift that I know somebody is going to love, it's really hard for me to wait until their birthday, until anniversary comes around. I just want to spoil the surprise and give it to them right away. Why? Because I have good news right? I have a good gift that I want to share with them, and I know it's going to better their life. I know it's going to improve their situation. I know it's going to help them. I know they're going to enjoy it. I know they're going to love it. I know it's going to change everything. And let me tell you, we have the best news, the best gift possible in a relationship with Jesus. So why aren't we sharing it? We can't afford to hold on to it ourselves. It wasn't meant to be held on to. It's meant to be broadcasted. It's meant to be proclaimed. It's meant to be announced. Good news is meant to be shared. Romans 1.16, Paul tells us, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power unto salvation, right? It's a message that is meant to be shared. It's meant to be broadcasted. Let's jump back to our passage this morning. Look back at John number one. John chapter one, verse 43. And I want us to witness and see this chain of events that takes place in our passage. Verse 43, the day following... Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. So we're introduced to Philip. Everybody say, hi, Philip. And saith unto him, follow me. Jesus sees Philip, talks to Philip, says, follow me, calls him. Right away, Philip doesn't go through a new members class. Philip doesn't do any of these next steps, right, that are very important. The very next thing Philip does, look at verse 45. Philip findeth Nathaniel. Everybody say, hi, Nathaniel. Now, in case you're wondering, Philip and Nathaniel weren't main characters at this point. There was no buildup and character arc of their life where you could tell Philip and Nathaniel are destined for greatness. They're going to do something incredible. As soon as they're reached with the gospel, they're going to do something amazing. They were just regular, everyday, average Joes, just like me and you, just regular people. But I love the example that we see in Philip here. Philip is called He experiences the gospel for himself. Jesus changes his life, and immediately, he's a man on mission. Immediately, he says, I've experienced this life change in my life, and I have to help somebody else do it. I have to share it. I have to tell somebody the good news. And you know who comes to mind? His friend, Nathaniel. And he goes to him, and he gets him, and he invites him. Philip was reached, and immediately, he was on mission. You know, Psalm 96.3 reminds us, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people. Good news is meant to be shared. Philip brought Nathaniel. So who can you bring to Jesus? That's our first reminder today. The good news is meant to be shared. Here's the second, number two. The presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of Jesus changes everything the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I'm the youngest of six kids in my family. Any other young, youngest siblings in your family? All right. Bless you all. We are the best. All right. <laughs> Save the best for last. All right. They were like, boom, no, no, no good. Next one. Nah, nah. All right. But then they got to us and they were like, call it. All right. We did it. This is the one. Okay. We got to stick together. Youngest siblings. Okay. 
Well, I was the youngest of six, and growing up uh, at my house in Minnesota, um, we had two story, a two-story home. And the problem was, I always got sent to bed first because I was the youngest. And my room was upstairs in the dark, and it was scary. So everybody else was downstairs eating popcorn, watching movies, having a good, jolly old time while little old Daniel just gets sent to bed by himself. And you can see little four or five-year-old me just freaking out, just scared, not wanting to go to bed by myself because it's unknown. It's dark. It's scary. But you know what's interesting? As soon as my mom or dad came upstairs with me, all fear was gone. The unknown didn't bother me anymore. Why? Because of who was with me. Because of their presence. Because I wasn't alone anymore. I wasn't going by myself. I didn't need to fear because who, of who was going with me, right? How many of us will be honest enough to say that inviting someone, extending an invitation to church, sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with someone intimidates us a little bit, right? right? I've been there in my life before. But so many times, here's what I found is true. We're forgetting who's going with us. We're forgetting that Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're forgetting that when we accepted Christ and put our faith in Jesus to save us, we were immediately indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And we're not going it alone. We're not doing it by ourselves. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to do his will, his way, and he will bless. If we are faithful, he will be fruitful. So we're not doing it by ourselves, and you don't have to do it uh, with anxiety or with fear or with doubt or with struggle. You can know I'm doing what God wants me to do, and God is responsible for the fruit. God is responsible for the outcome. He will go with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. You're not going alone. So we can approach with confidence, with courage, knowing that we're doing the will of the Lord. We're doing it his way. Can I remind us this morning, we looked at Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. God's plan for changing the world is us. God's plan for reaching the world with the gospel is us. The Bible says that they'll be reached through the foolishness of preaching. It also says, how can they know without a preacher? How are they going to know if we don't share the good news of the gospel? The presence of Jesus changes everything, but it's our responsibility to share that good news, to share that message, to bring people to him. Jump down and look at verse number 46 in our passage. As we continue looking at John 1, it says this, and Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Right, so Philip is doing a good job here. Philip accepts Christ, right? Jesus changes his life. He's like, I got to share this with somebody. And he goes to his friend, Nathaniel. He says, we found him. We found Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the one that Moses and all the Old Testament prophecies were written about. We found him. He's the one. He's the savior. You got to come and see. You got to come, Philip, or got to come, Nathaniel. And what does Nathaniel do? He makes fun of him. He makes a joke. He scoffs. It's laughable to him. He says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I love Philip's response. Notice, Philip doesn't get in a debate. Philip doesn't argue with him. Philip doesn't try to put him down and prove something to him. He simply says, come and see. You have doubts? Okay, come and see for yourself. I had doubts too. I had questions. But the presence of Jesus changes everything. 
And I want to I look at this a little bit closer real quick because this was very insightful and helpful for me as I studied. But Nathaniel's response, can there any good thing come out of, Israel, out of Nazareth? Now, why, why did Nathaniel respond this way? Okay, if you look ahead in John chapter 21, verse 2, we learn that Nathaniel was a Galilean, right? He grew up in Cana of Galilee. Now, Galileans were looked down upon and mistreated and hated by the Judeans simply because of where they were from and the way they went about their lives. They were looked down upon. They were mistreated. That was Nathaniel's experience growing up. But in return, the Galileans treated people from Nazareth the same way. They were looked down upon by the Judeans, so in turn, they looked down upon the Nazareth people, right? Simply because of who they were, where they were from. So we can see an insight into Nathaniel's life. Somebody who was mistreated, who was hated, who was hurt, is now in return mistreating, hating, and hurting someone simply for where they were from. But real quick, Nathaniel's going to learn a lesson here. He's going to see that you can't judge a book by its cover, right? But I want us to, to, to understand and learn from this. Hurt people hurt people. So that person in your life that you're ready to give up on and write off because they're rude, because the last time you invited them, they blew you off, they scoffed, can Jesus do anything for me? Can any good thing come from Nazareth? That person that you're ready to write off and give up on, God hasn't given up on them. They're still alive. They still have purpose. There's still an opportunity for them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So give grace. Give grace. I love how Jesus responds to Nathaniel's skepticism. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying there's no deceit in this man. Jesus publicly in front of the disciples, Philip and Nathaniel himself is saying this young man, this Israelite, Nathaniel, he has questions, he has doubt, he has skepticism, but his heart is in the right place. You see, Nathaniel had doubts about who Jesus really was, but he was searching for the Messiah. He knew the promised one was coming, but he didn't know when, he didn't know where, he didn't know who. So when he hears that Jesus, son of Joseph, a local guy, guy from Nazareth, that's the Messiah, he had his doubts, right? But Jesus says, bring your doubts. I'm not afraid of those. Bring your questions. I know you're searching. I know you're looking for the answer, and I am the answer. You see, with us, that person in your life, they might be rude. They might scoff. They might have their questions. They might have their doubts. They may not respond or take you up on your invite the first time or the second time or the third time, but I can tell you something. They're searching. They haven't found it yet. They're looking for something to give them fulfillment. They're looking for something to give them purpose, and you and I know exactly where that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we cannot stop. We can't keep that message to ourselves. We have to remember and trust the presence of Jesus changes everything. This brings us to our third and final reminder this morning. It's very simple. It's two words. Jesus knows. Exactly where Nathaniel was, Jesus knew. The questions he had, Jesus knew. What he needed to hear, Jesus knew. Jesus knows wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever needs you have, Jesus knows. 
Whatever you need, Jesus has it. Wherever you're at, wherever that person is at, whatever struggle they're having, whatever they're going through, you and I don't know, but Jesus knows. And I love this beautiful picture here that Jesus doesn't tell Nathaniel, hey, go figure this out for yourself and then come back to me. Go get all these answers to your question. Go Google these questions that you have. Get your answers and then come back to me when you're ready to follow me and believe. No, Jesus meets him in his doubt. He goes to him and says, hey, your heart is in the right place. Your answer, your conclusion is off right now, but you are searching and I am the answer. I am the answer. Jesus knows. It's a beautiful thing in life to be known. Growing up, my mom could always tell when something was off with me, right? She had that intuition because she knew me better than anyone else. When I got in trouble at school, the teacher didn't have to tell her. She knew. (laughs) She could figure it out, right? She could read me like a book. That's a beautiful thing. My wife today, Julie, it's the same way. If if I'm going through something, if I'm struggling, if I have something on my mind, I'm just a little bit off, Julie can tell. Why? Because she knows me. We have that personal, deep connection. Can I tell you today? Matthew 10, 30 reminds us, even the hairs of your head are numbered. God, Jesus knows you better than anyone else knows you. He knows the deepest desires of your heart. He knows your every need. He knows your every doubt and question, and he's ready to meet you there and to help you, and to provide for you. Jesus knows you better than anyone. He knows you better than yourself. Look back at our passage. Look at verse number 48. Nathanael saith unto Jesus, whence knowest thou me? How do you know me, Jesus? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. When you were alone, Nathaniel, processing what Philip had said to you, we found Jesus, we found the Messiah, we found the promised one. When you were processing and working through this, when you were doubting in that moment of solitude, when you were alone and you thought no one else could see you or hear you or know what you were going through, I saw you. I knew. Now, I love this picture here, okay? I love this picture of Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree, and it's symbolic. Okay, John Phillips, Bible commentator, he said this. He, Jesus, showed Nathanael that even before Philip had found him, he had found him. He knew not only what Nathanael was like, but he also knew where he had been earlier that day. The picture of Nathanael under the fig tree was in itself symbolic. The fig tree was one of the three trees used in scripture to symbolize the nation of Israel. Invariably, it is used to depict the nation in its unbelief, fruitless under the old covenant, subject to God's displeasure and discipline. And isn't that exactly where Nathaniel was? Sitting under the fig tree, a representation of doubt, of struggle, trying to do it on your own, of trying to figure things out, searching for a savior, knowing I cannot fulfill the Old Testament law in and of myself. I need help. I need the promised one. I need Messiah. And that's where Jesus saw him. I see you in your doubt, and I'm going to meet you in your doubt. I'm going to come to you. Maybe you've shown up today, and you are that skeptic. You have questions. You don't have it all figured out. None of us do. But a step of faith is the first step. Saying, I may not have it all together. I may not have all the answers, 
but I'm trusting in the one who does. I'm trusting on the name of Jesus. I believe that he was truly the son of God who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for me, a sinner. He died and paid my debt so that I could experience forgiveness, salvation, a home in heaven, a restored relationship with God, my heavenly father. And today you can trust him. You can trust him. All the work has been done. All that's left to do is for you to accept and benefit from the gift of salvation. That's Jesus's desire for you. He knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what you need. And even better yet, he's able to fulfill every need. Now, in this conversation that Jesus is having with Nathaniel publicly in front of the other disciples, in front of Philip, he's revealing two very important things about himself, two qualities about his character. Jesus is revealing, first of all, his omniscience, that he is all-knowing. No man could have told Nathaniel that, but God could. He's proving his, his godlihood, his godhead, right? His all-knowingness. Before that, Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, alone, with no one else around. I saw you. I knew you. Secondly, he was revealing his omnipotence, his power, he is all-powerful. He is God. He's able to do anything. He's all-powerful. He's not just all-knowing, but he can do anything. He goes on to say, thou shalt see greater things than these, Nathaniel. In other words, you thought that was cool? You ain't seen nothing yet, Nathaniel. What I'm going to go on to do is going to blow your socks off. You're going to see greater things if you follow me. There's more ahead. There's greater things. I'm not just going to tell you something that you thought nobody knew. I'm going to show you things you've never seen. There will be greater things. He revealed his omniscience, his omnipotence. He showed that he truly was the son of God. Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You know, I wonder what greater things God wants to do in our life and through our life, but he's waiting on us to simply take a walk, take a step of faith. Say, God, I, I, I might not have all the answers. I don't have it all together. You know that, but I'm willing to obey you. I'm willing to step out in faith. I'm willing to walk out my faith. I'm willing to have that conversation. Even though I may not know how it's gonna go, I'm gonna trust you. I'm willing to take that step. When in doubt, walk it out. That's all we're called to do. God is looking for his people to be faithful. He's in charge of the fruit. He's in charge of the outcome. But we're called to be faithful, to take a walk, to step out in faith. Every encounter with Jesus is full of purpose. Nothing is wasted with our God. If I could remind us of one thing as we close today, it's this. That person that you're ready to give up on in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, that person that you're ready to write off and you think God could never do anything with them, they're not interested, God hasn't given up on them yet. There's still hope for them. There's still an opportunity there. If they're living and breathing, God still can do something great in their life. God wants to do something great through your life, but it's up to us to take that step. Let me encourage you this week, take a walk. 
and see what God can do through you. Let's pray this morning, head bowed, eyes closed today.